Listen to the Inside Curling podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Well, 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 I'm talking a little loud because it's about 35 degrees here in Edmonton and my air conditioner has been running on high right next to my bed for four <laughs> days. <laughs> it sounds like a helicopter. Hi again, everybody. Jungle Jim Jerome coming at you with our second last episode of the year for Inside Curling. Uh, we've been doing it a long time now. Thank you all for listening. And of course, we couldn't do it without our two World Curling Hall of Famers, Kevin Martin and Warren Hansen. Also in the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame, Canadian Curling Hall of Fame, and the World Curling Hall of Fame. That's about enough love for you guys, okay? I don't like you that much to give you any more than that. We're not in the Jim Jerome Hall of Fame yet. <laughs> yeah, no. I want to go in a Hall of Fame, you know? Uh, if you guys hung out with me in my drinking days, I was a Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, let us uh, thank all our sponsors. Uh, we couldn't do it without them. Sports Interaction, uh, who brings you what's happening around the curling world. Nestle Boost uh, is the sponsor of Mailbag. And uh, Hot Rock Topics is brought to you by Coyote Tractor. Goldline, of course, has been along with us for the entire ride. And they bring you our guest spot in the house and hearing life is what are we hearing? Uh, good, Great show we've got today. Kev, you did an interview with Reed Carruthers and Brad Jacobs. That's a new team. Everyone uh, wasn't sure what Brad was going to do when he stepped away, but you talk about it uh, in the interview, so you're going to hear that, and we'll get your reaction, fellas. We got an email uh, because we're always talking about the names of teams. Why are the skips? Why are they so lucky? We got a hilarious email from, from a guy from the Tampa Bay Curling Club about the names of his teams. I think all of them are good, Warren. Maybe, I don't know, maybe one of them's X-rated, but they're, uh, we'll, we'll tell you all about that. What's happening around the curling world? Uh, of course, the season is winding down, so it's going to be a little bit quiet for a while. However, this segment's been brought to you by Sports Interaction, and today we're going to be uh, joined by David Bassel from Sports Interaction. Um, as you all know by now, I love putting a little action on anything, actually, when I'm <laughs> anything. I'll bet on anything. And I love the fact now that you can have a bunch of fun and place a bet on curling, and he's going to tell us all about that and their involvement. Hot Rock Topics, we talk a lot uh, over the year about the involvement of the Gen Z. Do you know, Warren, you're about 68 years removed from Gen Z? Jim, I'm removed from a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. We're going to talk about them and curling, and we're going to go review some interesting information we found out about the old Gen Zers. What are you hearing? Tim Hortons, of course, who've become synonymous with the Briar for many years, but we announced a while ago that they're pulling out. 2023 Briar would be their last as title sponsor. The 2024 Briar is only a few months away, but we haven't heard yet who's going to be the replacement. Uh, hopefully it's not an issue. You need a title sponsor. Warren's going to give us an update there. Okay, let's rip through, baby. I'm a huge fan of sports, and uh, I think the greatest thing to ever come along we always talk about how do you grow audiences with sports? How are you going to get more people? I think the greatest thing to ever come along, you're able to lay a couple of bucks down on a game. It totally changes it. It's absolutely a blast. I've been doing it for a long time. For me, it was music to my ears. Of course, you can bet on curling. One of our big sponsors is Sports Interaction. You want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction. Get in on the action and make a play at Sports Interaction. Of course, we want you to be 19 years of age or older and play responsibly. We are joined today by David Bastel. 
digital content coordinator, digital content head, digital content guy. Dave, thanks a lot for joining us. We really appreciate it. I love your backdrop. Do you travel with that? Do you set it up in your room? You know what, Jimmy? I, I, I wish I did. The thing's about 12 by 12. Um, it takes up a, a good portion of my basement here. And you wouldn't know this, but it, it really covers up all the kids' toys I have around me just in the, no. in, in the middle of the basement. So that it's, it's ideal. It, it makes it look like I'm kind of organized for you guys today. So good to be yeah, with you. Good. Good, to, good to see you all. Kev, you should get one that'll cover the bar. That's always behind you when you do this. True story. So before before I come on, I have to look around the basement because all the grandkids' toys. I have to move the hockey nets. I've got to move the basketball net. I got. I need a backdrop. That's perfect. I could I could leave all the all the hockey sticks and everything else kicking around. But anyway, it is something that I have to do every time, which you don't have to, Dave. <laughs> Dave, I have choices to represent companies. You know, they're knocking my door down to uh, be spokesman for them, but. I am the unofficial spokesman for Sports Interaction, man. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Thank you. Talk about, I guess, where Sports Interaction is now and what you guys are looking at going forward. Well, you know what? Uh, it's funny you say that. In the last number of years, Jim, we've noticed a little bit of a boom when it comes to betting on curling. I know there's a lot of different sponsors on board and you're starting to go, okay, you know what? I I'm watching this game between Alberta and BC and... I kind of got a feeling I, I, I like a certain team or a certain reason to bet on something or, or, or possibly win a couple bucks, uh, of course, always responsibly. But we've noticed in the last number of years that the, the, the curling boom as far as betting is concerned has really increased. We're getting a strong presence in Western Canada, not as much in Eastern Canada, but that's going to hopefully improve throughout the years. But Western Canadians have always been massive curling fans, and now we're seeing a little bit of a transition of those fans wanting to bet. We joke about it around work that there's a lot of curling sharps out there, meaning they think they know exactly what's going to happen in these games. And, and you know what? We offer it to them. We, at every single level, the Slams, the, the, the Briar, the, the Scotties, the World Championships, we, we offer it all. Um, and it's been a, a very good business during the winter months, almost competing with hockey uh, on some stages. Amazing. You don't just have to bet on a team to win. Correct. Or bet against a team to lose. Uh, talk about some of the bets that you can place that are just a riot when you're watching the game. Well, the one I really like, and we've uh, we've talked to Kevin before on uh, a, another show on Sportsnet called Inside the Lines, where we kind of predict who's going to come out on top at the end. Uh, so future betting at Sports Interaction is massively popular with curling, where you have your list of Briar representatives throughout the provinces, and you and you kind of dig through it, and you go, okay, well, I. There's five or six teams here that have a legitimate shot. Where's the long shot? What about if this happens and this happens and so forth? So futures betting is big. Head on head, as you mentioned, outright winners, massive as well. But you also have the situations where certain teams are favorite by certain amount of rocks. For example, a lot of times, and no offense to them, but some of the smaller provinces, curling-wise, Yukon, Northwest Territory, some of the maritime provinces with... Uh, all respect to Brad Gushu because he's definitely not part of this mix, but sometimes they're the underdogs in situations. So if a, if a team like Alberta, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, they might be three and a half rock favorites. So, you know, you already have that point spread developed into a curling term that we see quite a bit with football and, and we're starting to see that with curling as well. How do you do it? 
I know how to do it, but tell us how everyone else can do it. <laughs> well, uh, head to sportsinteraction.com. We have a curling tab, and we always offer everything that's current that is televised, and you have your many options. It's a pretty simple process as far as the website is concerned, very hands-on. We just created an app in the last six months that kind of put us in comparison with some of the bigger companies out there right now. So very simple, follow the curling tab and you have your drop downs, you have the different bets that you can place and and for the most part, uh, enjoy, play responsibly. And you kind of mentioned it off the top, it makes watching even that more exciting when you think you know something is going to happen and obviously you have a, a rooting interest financially. I have a new prop bet for you. Fire away. Every time we come on here, one of Kevin's records is falling. Okay. <laughs> so, so you want how many fall in a course of a podcast? Yeah, is that what, what we're looking yeah, for, what, Jim? What, yeah. What what record is Martin going to lose next week? Yeah. With, uh, with how good the, the curling is. Great. Well, thanks, David, for for joining us. Uh, let's talk a bit about sports interaction. Um, this is a whole relatively new thing for Canada, and of course, right now it's only in the province of Ontario. So. How old is Sports Interaction and how did this all come about and when is it going to maybe be available in some of the other provinces? Well, you know what? Well, great questions uh, for the most part. Let, let's take it rather than start. So Sports Interaction has been around since uh, 1997, established head office in Montreal. We have now head offices in Toronto as well. Recently purchased by Entain, uh, which is a major worldwide brand that probably has about 25 to 30 different books as an umbrella. We operate as an Entain brand in about 140 countries. Entain owns this Canadian product because they believed in what sports interaction can bring to Canadians. We're strictly Canadian, owned by Canadians, and only bet on in Canada. You, you can try it too. I've been to New York before uh, in the last couple months where I've just pulled up my phone to look at quickly the numbers, and I'm not allowed to bet because simply I'm not geographically in Canada at the time. So it is strictly Canadian, Canadian business as well. As far as regulation is concerned, that's the biggest question. Ontario is the regulated province right now um, in Canada, but there are licenses coming up and I'm hearing BC, Alberta is probably going to be part of that mix. As a brand though, Sports Interaction is offered throughout Canada under some earlier rights that the company did have. So we are regulated in Canada. We're the only Canadian brand that is actually regulated coast to coast the coast, but licensed in Ontario. Hopefully that turns into other provinces as well, because every single province as an entity has their own licensing procedures and everybody sees what Ontario is doing and go, you know what, we want a piece of that pie as well. Financially, it's a pretty good business for provincial governments, as you know, and and most provincial governments out there in Canada and states in the United States uh, struggling at times to find uh, financial means. And, and perhaps this is something that they could dig into and, and probably will dig into uh, in the very near future. Okay, that's great. So I want to ask a couple other things. First of all, if you've listened to our podcast all year, we've been picking winners and losers for all these events. And I yep. just want to make a note that please tell all your potential betters, don't listen to what Jim says because he's <laughs> never right. Except you're making that up. I've beat your asses a couple of times. So. Well, um, we, you know what? We look forward to this year with some sports interaction numbers, right? Because before any sort of slam starts or any kind of major tournament starts, we'll have numbers posted for you guys and, and have at it. There's always value on uh, some of the underdogs out there. And, and of course, as you guys know, a lot of favorites do come through and it's um, a game by game process. So a lot of options that you guys could uh, have your way with. 
So that was my other question. So I see the odds up there on your website. How do you establish those odds in curling? What's what's that based on? Uh, we have a we have a pretty diverse uh, lines management team that does a lot of different analytics on on the different uh, skips, the different teams, the win loss records, some of the head to heads, what the percentages would tell us in certain situations, um, and and those those situations are totally math related. As you guys know, that's a part of curling. That's a part of sport, but there's also a part of sport that we cannot predict. We cannot predict when a, oh, I don't know, a, a Matt Dunstan comes into a, a match where he's won six straight and nobody's expected it or, or, or something of nature or where, where somebody is due to pull an upset. And math will tell you one thing, streaks will tell you another thing, and, and sometimes hunches are, are involved as well. But for the most part, lines are established by math reasoning and why a Brad Gushu is favorite uh, in a certain situation, which, you know, most of the time he kind of is lately, as you guys know, but that's, that's kind of the background with that. Interesting. Kev? Well, thank you, Dave, first of all, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, okay. So the sport of curling, as you know, is growing in leaps and bounds around the world. Um, we've got champions for the first time out of Italy, both uh, Olympic gold medalists in mixed doubles, but also a Grand Slam champion this year in Joe Returnas and his crew. We've got champions coming out of Japan, growth in Turkey. We've got a huge growth in India. We've got obviously a big growth in South Korea. So when it comes to events being run in all of these countries, which of course is, is in kind of in the middle of happening or it will happen, can a person, so a big uh, Sasuke Fujisawa fan out of Japan, playing in a Grand Slam event in Canada, in the U.S., or in Europe, can they place bets right now through Sports Interactions or, or through uh, your, your mother company? Is that something that can happen or not yet? Not quite yet, Kevin. Uh, I think that's something that's going to be happening down the line. As, and, and you mentioned it there. Curling is gaining traction uh, not only among younger people that will be feeding into that system, but worldwide. And, and you know it better than I do, where a lot of these teams in the last number of years have come to Canada to be trained by uh, Hall of Famers like yourself and, and so forth, where they take that back to the country and learn and develop. And I mean, I'm 40 something years old. And I remember a time, Kevin, where it was interesting to see a team from the United States part of the world. So like, you'd be like, Oh, oh, they are, you know, like, cause it's such a non-factor. Now you're seeing teams from the States win. You mentioned the Italian teams and, and the, you know, Russian teams of the past where it's like, Oh, okay. So it's not just the, uh, the Denmarks and the Norways and, and, and the Scotland and the Englands and Canada, right? It's no, no, it's, it's so much more. And we're seeing it, it uh, just keep on growing. And I think with the popularity that you talked about, I think there will be opportunities where Italy claims their representative where you could bet on those country matches. Now, we're not quite there yet because we also have to put together some intelligence for it because you can't just throw out numbers and say, oh, certain team's going to win this. And there has to be reasonings and so forth. And there also has to be a lot of interest. And I think we're starting to see a little bit more of it. And once that gains to a certain popularity, I, I would not be surprised. We see it with hockey a lot. You can be it on the KHL. You can be it on the Swedish Elite League. There's multiple Czech leagues. I have friends in England that play uh, in the premiership as far as hockey is concerned in Great Britain. So when you see stuff like that, you could definitely parlay that into, you know what, it's going to happen eventually with curling as well. Right. David, um, 
one of the funnest things that that has come along in sports betting in the you know the last while was proposition bets you know prop bets and yes uh you know in the in the old days you could bet on a winner and a loser and then everyone's heard you know they, they go you know what you can bet on the coin toss at the start of the super bowl or who's going to get the first touchdown and or who's going to give up the first interception or the score after a quarter half whatever it's an awesome deal for people who don't want to commit to an entire game is that available in curling you know what? We're always looking for ideas. And and this is a sensational idea. I've talked about it with our lines management group, and they've always mm-hmm. come back to me and said, okay, so what sort of props would you like, Dave? So let me ask you guys this, and maybe you don't have to answer right now, but what kind of props would we use in curling as far as betting is concerned in the middle of a game? In the middle or the, the start is definitely some. Sometimes like we don't have in-play betting yet in curling, but I know it's going to be happening where – uh, in the fifth end, if you like a team to win or lose, we don't have it quite yet, but I know it's coming. Very popular in football and hockey and baseball as well. But propositions before a game start, would it be like skip percentage or third percentage or player percentage? Or I'll tell you what, uh, when it comes to curling, yep. the, the even ends matter a lot. So okay. four, six, and eight, even two, four, six, and eight. A blank end or not in five? That is something that would mean a lot. To, okay. to, this is upper end curling only. But people that really understand the game, if you can manage to blank five and have hammer and six as a tie game or one down, you have an excellent chance to win that curling game. But if you get forced into points in five, that means you're likely going to get forced in seven, which means the other team likely has hammer and eight, which means you're dead. Yeah. So from a betting standpoint, like you're talking about two top skips, uh, a Kui and a Guju playing each other. Ooh, they are fighting like crazy over that hammer and six. Gotcha. And they start right from the very start, from the coin flip. Yep. The, the game is on the line as to who has hammer and six, or in a 10-end game, who has hammer and eight. And it's all a chess game as to how to manipulate the scoreboard, manipulate the chessboard, so you have hammer when you need it. That is the game of curling. There's all kinds of other things, but that's the game of curling. I think there's a ton of things. Uh, if we sat down and t- took a look at it. I-, I could probably come up with with ten. I'm thinking of who scores first, how many ends are stolen, yes, et cetera, et cetera. Total score of each team. There- there's uh, endless, I think, things that you could put into proposition betting. Warren and Kevin, uh, I I might borrow you for my next meeting <laughs> and, and, and grab this yeah. list because this is exactly the sort of input we're looking for. Absolutely, I've noted a couple things here. Because I, I know, obviously, uh, we're in an off-season, right? But uh, when it does kick up again, these are exactly the same points that we want to kind of present. Because we do want more options. And, and we do want to offer more than what a competitor would do. And, and these are the kind of things that we could definitely take forward. And you know what? Pat on the back to you guys, too. If this happens, uh, I'll be the first ones to say uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board, man. Uh, maybe one of the bets could be... Uh... The over-under on Kevin Cooey finishing before five hours is up. <laughs> Will he have more than 10 seconds on the yeah. clock for his last one? Yeah. <laughs> David Bastel's been our guest uh, from Sports Interaction. Dave, we really appreciate you guys being on board with Inside Curling and, and your loyalty to the sport of curling. It's, it's going to be fantastic, and there's no doubt in my mind that what you guys are doing is going gonna, is gonna to grow the sport for sure and increase the viewership and... I am now the spokesman for Sports Interaction. Okay, Dave, I'll uh, 
You won't get any approvals for what, what I'm going to say, but... Uh. <laughs> Welcome aboard, Jim. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Thank you, Dave. Uh, have a good summer, and, uh, and thank you again for everything you're doing for this show and uh, curling. We really, really appreciate it. Fantastic. Great talking to you. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. In the House is brought to you by Goldline. Goldline Curling's new impact room maximizes performance for carry, hold, and carve. Learn more at goldlinecurling.com. Also, they are proud to be the founding partner of United We Curl, a nonprofit focused on expanding diversity in curling. Again, goldlinecurling.com. Kev, this is an interview you did with uh, Brad Jacobs and Reed Carruthers. When you hear the two names there, that sounds like a pretty strong team. Uh, and no one was sure, was sure what Brad was going to do. I knew he couldn't stay. He couldn't stay away, Kev. No, there's no way, Jimmy. No way a guy like Brad Jacobs could stay out of the game, and I'm glad he didn't. Enjoy this interview, folks. Okay, guys. Well, thank you very much for taking the time before your uh, your first game here at the Players. Congratulations on on getting Brad on on the crew. I guess first question is how did that happen? Uh, good GMing. yeah no it's uh you know obviously with him waiting in the wings he was the most sought after free agent so uh making a change mid-season is never easy but seeing him waiting in the wings it was a matter of trying to see if you know we were both looking for the same thing so brad uh so i i understand you were courted by a few different people uh and teams trying to get figure out what's going on how did you end up with uh with reed what was the thinking uh, well, first of all, I, I've always had a ton of respect for Reed as a, as a curling athlete, as a leader. I think all of the curlers will agree he's just a great guy, both on and off the ice. And uh, we've gotten along for many years. We've actually joked around about, you know, trying to play a spieler uh, or two here and there back in the past. Um, so he gave me a call. And, and uh, like I said, it was pretty unfortunate what happened with their team. And, uh, you know, I was like you said, I was sitting on the wings just waiting to see if I could play. And the opportunity arose in, in cameras. And uh, when I got to spend the week with these guys, it just felt like a really good fit. And I, you know, I was pretty excited after that event to, to continue to play this season. And uh, here we are. So you and I had a great chat when you first were going to step away from the game for a bit. Right. Which kind of shocked me because you're one of the best there is. What was the reason for that stepping back and then to come back in at this time? You know what? I was burnt out. I really felt burnt out. I felt like I needed a break. Another big thing for me too was uh, I I wanted to try something new. I wanted to try a different position. I, I was kind of done with the skipping position. It's a challenging position as all as we all know, and I was looking for for a new challenge. And uh, you know when I stepped away, I really wanted to spend some more time with my family and and just kind of regroup and and ask myself how much do I truly love this game and. That really gave me the opportunity to do that. I knew for me, I didn't want to even think about coming back and playing until 2023 rolled around. And uh, lo and behold, here we are. And I'm actually able to step into that third position like I've kind of wanted to for a little while. And I'm really excited for that new challenge. What part of it? What part of that challenge? If you don't mind me saying, you look really fit. Okay, cool. Thanks. (laughs) Well, no, but but that's got to be part of it, right? Not saying you don't read. No, well, he's he's definitely a better sweeper than me. I've I've one spiel can attest to that. Having played the skip position, you know, my entire adult career to this point, 
I do feel like I know what a skip needs. You know, you've seen it, uh, you know, multiple times, even the, the team that you had in the past there with uh, John Morris coming in and playing third after skipping for a lot of years. You look at even Wayne Madaw when he uh, transitioned into playing third for Glenn Howard years ago. Um, I, I do feel like I can bring a lot of value to that position and not only, uh, you know, give Reed here what he needs in order to have a ton of confidence and be successful, but also, uh, you know, give that to the front end. And I've always wanted to try something new. To me, it's like a hybrid thing, right? And I know it's going to be, there's going to be a learning curve there for me playing the third position. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. And I know that I've got great support from, uh, you know, Connor and Derek and Reed and, and Rob in transitioning into that position. Let's talk about value for a second. Uh, bringing on Brad um, with your team business, your team brand, um, what kind of uh, effect does that have on sponsorship and uh, and p- perceived value of your assets? Yeah, I would say, you know, it's, it's not going to hurt our value. Um, as a team, you know, what we're promoting, what I think we can accomplish uh, as a unit, obviously our... Uh, you know, on paper, we're looking like a pretty strong team. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, people are excited. You know, the comments that we got were, uh, you know, 99% super pumped about uh, this team uh, and looking forward to next season. And, you know, for us, we're, we're fortunate to have two slams to finish the year off. So, you know, um, going into next year, we want to be ready from the start of September. So we're starting right now. Uh, what's your schedule look like? Are you going to go fairly hard? Because you've got, with a new player... And then you've only got, what, two and a half years to the trials. You know, the Olympics is is number one, but, you know, first things first, uh, you know, playing in the briar, winning the briar is something that definitely, uh, you know, it's been a while since I've done that. Um, you know, and with, with Brad uh, and playing with a front end that hasn't won yet before, that's obviously a major goal of ours. And I feel like with this team, we have a, we have a team that can contend for that. But yeah, you know, going into next year, I think we're going to be playing a fairly uh, hectic schedule uh, right out of the gates. It's going to be the first year for Olympic qualification, as far as we know. Uh, so yeah, we're going to <laughs> we're going to want to be getting those points. Uh, so let's let's look at the, uh, I guess the growth of curling right now worldwide, and especially well, both both women's and men's. Uh, but I know you you tend to think fairly deeply about this type of thing. So when it comes to the the growth worldwide and your team with this potential. Um, Canada's done pretty well this year with a, a bronze and a silver at the world level with mixed doubles yet to come. Where do you see, I guess, the growth of our wonderful sport going worldwide in relation to your team and, and being able to get on that podium? I think that uh, it's great to see Canada getting back on the podium. It's obviously been uh, really cool to see so many international teams working hard and having a ton of success and drawing in more people to the sport uh, all over the world, that's going to help our sport tremendously. So super in favor of that. Anything that we can do to help that, uh, that next generation and the youth really get attracted to this sport, the better. I know that, you know, even just from a grassroots level at our curling club this past season, my uncle Al, Al Harnden and the the management team at the club has brought in over a thousand new kids to try the sport of curling wow. just this season. And I had, I played a small part in that and just getting out there with the kids. So we're all for that and just hope to, to do whatever we can while we're still around, even though we're kind of the veterans now in our uh, mid to late thirties, well, maybe not Connor, he's the young guy on the team, but to, you know, to make this sport uh, even better for that next generation coming up. 
you know, bringing Brad on, it's, um, you know, he shares a lot of the same values that I have and that I've got with this team, obviously giving back to the sport. You know, I've run my camp Carruthers like you with your uh, junior camp, multiple camps, you're doing the lupus spiel. Like uh, I know that you get that aspect of curling very much. And that's something that I feel very passionate about. So uh, yeah, having Brad on board, we're going to be doing the clinic Sunday morning. Um, and, you know, we'll continue to do that. Giving back to sport is very important to us. Well, yeah, I was going to bring that up actually that, that you've spearheaded that for how many years now? Any oh, idea yeah. how many years? Six, seven, maybe six, yeah. seven years. On Sunday mornings here at the Slams, um, Reed and and whoever Reed brings out with them, uh, maybe will you talk about it? Because I, I I think it's fantastic what you yeah. do. Yeah, you know, at almost every Grand Slam, um, we have a junior clinic. Um, and, you know, I, I try to rotate which uh, players teach at the camp, but we'll bring out 16 uh, junior curlers and as well as little rockers and get them on the ice for about an hour, hour and a half. And, you know, it gives them a taste of playing in this uh, in this kind of facility. You know, being on an arena surface is a little bit different than a curling club. And, uh, you know, you can tell from the excitement as the kids are stepping on the ice. It's really neat to actually play in an arena. And like you look at the arena behind us here, it's going to be the same Sunday morning that's great uh just stepping back a little bit to your club because it's still a named club right it's sold to a, a sponsor's name that's correct so yeah. how many years has that been and, and how's that been going for you because i you and i once again you and i talk quite a lot but that's been quite a few years now and, and how's that been going having uh you sold the naming rights we did yeah so it's uh the community first curling center the Community First Credit Union was, uh, I believe, acquired by your neighborhood credit union out of Southern Ontario. And uh, they love that partnership from my understanding. I, I did work at the Curling Club a number of years back when we first formed that that corporate partnership. And if you actually come to our Curling Club, we've got a ton of support from local business and corporate sponsors within our Curling Club. They really get behind our club. And that's so important, uh, you know, to get their brands and, and their support in the Curling Club. They use the facility. They often have uh, parties and whatnot there and give back to their staff and, you know, some of their clients and customers. So, uh, yeah, that's been going really well. That's one of the huge successes of our, of our Curling Club. Well, it's just not that common. No. Yeah. <laughs> so that's we why took advantage of that yeah. for sure. It was a great idea. Oh, I sure thought it was too. Um, the no tick zone, it was a trial at the world's, mm -hmm. but um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that if it should go through. But then the second part of the question is with the corner guards being ticked in now, should there be something from free guard zone into to knock a rock out of the free guards, something because what it seems now the team with hammer late in the game actually doesn't throw corner guards anymore. They throw double centers. <laughs> so your thoughts on, on that scenario, because it's kind of getting muddied up a little bit. Yeah, I think so. And to be honest, like I'm, I'm, I would say I'm right down the middle is whether or not I like the no tick or not. Like it's a, it's a skill that teams have mastered. Right. So to take that away is, was kind of an interesting one. Um, I'd like to look at the numbers now that we've had about a year and a half of playing the no tick uh, to see what, you know, in relation to the, team having hammer versus not having hammer to see what the actual numbers are if it has you know increased scoring or not um but just like from being at the women's worlds and then watching the men's worlds i can tell that you know these teams are uh they're tired it's a grueling event um 10 ends no tick rule i'm not sure i'm in love with it 
Okay. And corner guards. Yeah. Corner guards. Uh, that's an interesting one. I'd, I'd actually never thought about that until you're, you know, brought it up here. I'm not sure what my take is on that. It's, it's another, you know, skill that teams are going to master just like they did in the mixed doubles game. So, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe there's another line that needs to go up as far as where corner guards need to go. Back uh, when Ryan was playing lead for you, noticeably, you didn't play the tech shot much. You just had him go four foot, four foot, and then have EJ blast. Um, <laughs> so no tick wouldn't have affected you much, but the corner guard manipulation, you kind of invented, I think you're one of the first ones. Yeah. Well, there was a, a period of time there, uh, when we played with Kennedy that we had a lot of, uh, really great team discussions around strategy and ticking and moving rocks around. And one of the biggest, uh, reasons why we started doing that. And we, then we started doing it with the center guard as well was just to throw an element of surprise at teams just, and that was purely the the reason and just see how teams dealt with it. You know, you see, we often see the game go to the middle, go to the middle all the time. And uh, you see a lot more missed shots based on stats from what I can remember. Anyways, it's been a while since I've played, but I haven't looked at these things, but uh, you know, there are a lot more missed shots usually going to the wings as opposed to going to the center, probably just out of habit and in throwing rocks to the middle. So, yeah, we were one of the teams that uh, on the men's side anyways, the women were doing it, that uh, just wanted to do that and throw that element of surprise and change things up. And it, we had a little bit of success with it for a period of time. Yeah, I'm, I remember playing against them and they were throwing corner guard blockers, right? And we weren't used to seeing that. They were one of the first teams that did that. Yeah, well, you know what, you two? It's going to be fascinating to watch this uh, the next couple of years with uh, your partnership. Yeah, thanks very much, Kevin. Hey, thanks, you guys. So, Kevin, uh, there's some talk there about burnout. There's some talk about, you know, stepping away from the game. You wouldn't have heard about this 20 years ago, but curling has become full-time. Uh, and that's a real deal, isn't it, Kev? Burnout. I think it is. And I think it made a lot of sense for, for Brad to step away from the game for a little bit, you know, and uh, get feeling good again. And, you know, throwing third, though, that's an interesting decision. Um, I know Brad was pretty excited about it, actually. Something a little different and not quite, you know, so trying on the body and, and on the mind. But he's one of the best ever. Uh, you know, you used to start talking about maybe, you know, a Guju in Canada, you know, Kui. I don't know if Matty Dunstone's quite there yet at a Brad Jacobs level. He's one of the best of the best. Botcher's getting there too, but he's top shelf. And it'll be interesting to see, does Brad Jacobs continue to throw third? I understand he's probably a better sweeper than Reed Crothers. I get that. But my goodness, what a talent at throwing the last one. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes forward. But interesting talking to those guys, and they seem to make a really good team. It's just going to be, how do they set the back end up to be as strong as they can possibly be? And we'll, we'll see how that goes. Do you think there's an age, Kevin? Uh, you know, everyone starts curling so young. Do you think there's an age like like where you're going to be a peak performer? Sure. Um, everybody's a little different, I think. But uh, for the most part, your front enders are in the 20s because it's pure strength. Right. You know, and when you get into your 30s, <laughs> you're starting to hurt a bit. And by late 30s, uh, it hurts a lot. Your third has to be sort of uh, kind of in between or between the front end and the back end. But the skips... You know, it's hard to be a chess master. It takes a long, long time. So you're right. going to find your skips are going to get it in, you know, at the top level at around 30. 
you know, there's a phenom here and there, like a Bruce Mallet or a Brendan Botcher, who are really, really brilliant individuals that kind of learned a little sooner than most. But mm-hmm. they kind of hit their stride, I think, at 30. But the skips really get clever and really get sharp in the late 30s, I think, and around 40 years old. But mm-hmm. then the body starts to sort of give up a little right. bit. So there's that, that magic around the high 30s. 40, if you can stay in great physical condition, maybe you can go into your 40s, uh, but you've got to have fitness on your side and, and a body type, you know, like a Glenn Howard, who just seems to be able to go and go and go. Not everybody's bodies are built that way. You know, unless you were Hanson, Hanson was way ahead of the curve, working out well, way back then. Yeah, stay in shape, but even even that doesn't always solve the problems of shoulders and knees and hips and that type of thing. You can, you know, working out helps. But sometimes, you know, some bodies last longer than others. When did you retire, Warren? Was there some day that you looked up and went, okay, I'm out? I retired pretty young. I think I was 37. But the the whole thing is with retirement, uh, I was in the curling business, which it just became too much. You have great difficulty playing the game when I was then teaching for three or four months of the year. So it was just, it was too much. Plus, it's all in your head to a large degree as well. I was at the point of, I, I just didn't care enough anymore. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, sort of my old saying is, if you lose and a half hour later, it doesn't matter, then it really doesn't matter. And uh, I sort of had come to that point. And you, you just, you don't play well. You've got you've to be able to get yourself to a point where you can, you're sharp. Your mind is sharp, everything's sharp. And uh, if you're not really, really dedicated and uh have a huge burning desire to win, you're just not going to be there. So I think it's going to vary with people. I think Kevin's point, front-enders are going to, probably going to be facing that wall a little quicker than the skips and probably the thirds. But uh, it's very individual. And I think you look at most sports, um, I won't go into details, but football I'm very familiar with, you see a variation of ages of when people there will retire depending upon what positions they play. So to, to agree, same thing with curling. Yeah, so what do you take away from that interview, Warren, uh, when you hear Brad and Reed? I thought a couple of interesting things. I thought the comments that Jacobs made about the impact that their team has had on the Sault Ste. Marie Curling Club, I think, was really interesting, saying there's about a 1,000 juniors that have come into the program there as a result of them. The curling club has done very well with corporate support. They're probably one of the few curling clubs in Canada with a corporate name on the club. So I thought that was all interesting comments. I thought good one on Reed Carruthers suggesting he's probably what the first one we've talked to who is not sure about the no-tick rule. Uh, wants to see a little more data, wants a little more analysis to be able to figure it out. And I thought the other interesting thing, he said, maybe we need another couple of lines for corner guards, which is something I had kind of suggested before as well. Uh, Maybe we need to have a line up uh, each side of the house that's going to serve the same purpose if you want to put up a corner guard that it can't be ticked off. So some good comments overall by both those guys. Are we ever going to get a a place in curling where everyone goes, we're good? game's good <laughs> no nope. no no, nope. never good. But no because it never happens in any sport They're, no the, the sports continue to evolve all the time they, they have to right by the way uh, as we jump on here and record, speaking of sports, we all love golf. How about Nick Taylor winning the Canadian Open? 72-footer? Oh, uh, yeah. wow. Yeah, longest putty ever made. And, of course, there's a big overlap with curlers and golfers. And uh, second time, only in first time in 69 years that a Canadian has won their own National Open. So uh, way to go, Nick. Uh, Nestle Boost brings you mailbag. 
Nestle Boost, complete nutrition to fuel your day. Here's an email from Murray in the from the Tampa Bay Curling Club. Hey, Jim, Kev, Warren. Topic of team names was a point of focus uh, earlier in the season. I curled this winter, January to April, as part of the Tampa Bay Curling Club. I curl in the fall at the Community First Curling Center in Sault Ste. Marie. We just talking about that. The Tampa Bay Curling Club is based at the Advent Health Center Ice Facility. Curling is on Saturday night, five sheets, two draws, complete with Zamboni lines. And yes, it's a lot of fun. A great bunch of curlers. For your interest, here are some of the team names from the last season. Lords of the House of Chapel. Not sure what that means, but it's funny. <laughs> Curl Jam. Is that like the rock band, Kev? Pearl Jam? How about Sweep the Lag? Ah. These guys must all be drinking when they name these teams. <laughs> they must be hammered at midnight going, let's change our team. License to Curl. Not bad. Not bad. Advanced hands. <laughs> uh, so as you notice, the teams do not carry the name of the skip. Enjoy your podcast, boys, and keep up the good work. That's from Murray. Uh, that's that's pretty fun, Kev, all those names. That's not a bad idea. I think a road trip to the Tampa Bay Curling Club's in order for us. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds, like, it so sounds like a lot of fun, actually. Step in there after yeah. a night of curling. Well, you know, that, no, that's, that's a little... Uh, not exactly the way I see the future of curling, but it's sort of in that direction in not having the skip's name on the team. That that will not last forever. It, it makes no sense. You know, the Edmonton McDavid's. Um, right. It just, I, I don't get it. Um, but I don't know if you make up a name like those names, however they were thought up, but certainly I can see a franchise owner and the Edmonton, whatever city or whatever club, to have them own and operate the team. Um, that's something that should have been done I don't know. I, I've been harping about this for over 20 years. Right. So when should it have happened? I don't know, but it should have by now. But it's something that would be really interesting to have a very intelligent business person decide to buy the rights of a curling team mm-hmm. and then be able to market it professionally and have the curlers do what they do best. And that's curl. Um, rather than have the skip of the team phoning a corporate entity saying, you know, hey, would you like to come on board and sponsor us? Well, it would be a little bit different that way to have the owner and have a manager, and have a marketing company, social media company behind you, and so on, mm-hmm. um, as you know, a, a hockey team or a football team or whatever the case may be does. So I agree totally with Murray as to should teams have names rather than one of the players on the teams? Absolutely. Um, how they do it, though, is it a corporate entity or a fun entity in this case? Sure. Yeah, uh, it's kind of fun having a, a club team like that. Makes for some pretty cool uniforms, I imagine, when you go out to curl on <laughs> right. on Saturday night. But yeah. um, but in a more serious tone, when it comes to the top players and top teams in the world, to have them run in a very much a business style, I think makes a lot of sense. Well, Warren, you've always talked about getting the young people involved. I mean, this isn't a you know a huge deal. If but if I walked in as a young guy to take up curling, and some guy said. Yeah, hi, welcome to the Kevin Martin curling team, whatever, the Hal Peterson team. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that, this doesn't sound like a bunch of fun. No, I want to rename the team, so maybe it's a good idea. Uh, what do you say about all that, Warren? I think it's another thing we have to evolve to. And let's look at a sport that we may snicker about, and that's bowling. And uh, bowling's had unique names on their teams forever. And so I think it's something else, again, we have to evolve to, and particularly at the top competitive level. And I'm thinking here from a marketing point of view. So rather than it being Team Reed Carruthers, 
It is Team Winnipeg Titans mm-hmm. out of Winnipeg, you know, a, a team of right. that nature that we can now have the sponsor of the Winnipeg Titans goes in the front of the name of the Winnipeg Titans. So you've now got a title sponsor uh, identification that now becomes a very key mark part of that team. So it's it's a huge selling factor versus just the person's name. And of course, branding. You're now going to develop a logo. These teams are now developing logos, but again, it's usually at this point around the skip's name. So I think, again, it's something else that curling has kind of dragged his feet on over years. It's come along, come along. It's been talked about. It's changed in some cases. In particular in the U.S., you're seeing this, I think, quite often as to what is being brought to our attention here by Murray. And I think it's, again, something else we have to evolve to. And from the teams at the top level, it's a huge marketing opportunity. And, and like Kevin says, I think we will get to the point where there will be teams representing cities, but we're not there yet. Well, if I had to pick, if I joined a team, I think I'd call us the two enders because that's about as long as I would last. <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks, Murray, uh, for your email. Well, of course, we do it each and every show called Mailbag. And uh, if you want to drop us an email, Warren always plucks one out or one or two out for uh, each week, insidecurling at gmail.com. Hot Rock Topics brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, the UTVs, and the ZTRs to do it. Coyote, we dig dirt. We've talked a lot about the future of curling and the Gen Zs and what interests this new generation. Warren, <laughs> you've been doing some research. You found a good article uh, about Gen... I don't, I don't know what Gen Z is. I don't know. Do you, Kevin? Young. No. <laughs> <laughs> but Warren does. Yeah, Warren knows exactly I did know the age. It's a little older than you may think. It's it's about 25, 26, I believe, is the top end of it. As we know, that generation is from a different uh, mindset than anybody has ever been before, and they're, they're from the technical world. They're online a good part of the day, and they're in communication 24-7 with people around the world. So this little article I found, it says, to Gen Z, traditional sports are boring. And it goes on to say, Gen Z is not into traditional sports. These are boring, taking up too much of the time, and are really for a different generation. Youth participation rates in many of the traditional sports, such as football, soccer, golf, baseball, are showing a steady decline. Non-traditional sports, to a very large degree, are winning the war. 52% of Gen Zers prefer non-traditional sports, and this can be explained by the typical characteristics of Gen Z. They like to express themselves and show their personality and their identity. Mainstreaming is out. Niche, alternative, trendy is in with these people. Remember, they are global citizens, and they are connected 24-7. If they see something funny or alternative, they'll jump all over it. Having fun is more important to them than winning. That is a natural mantra. To them, sport has to be social and even non-physical. They believe sports has a much broader definition. And again, my point has been with this generation, we have to get curling to the point of being fun, quick, and engaging to get them involved. And I look at mixed doubles, again, as a very good, I think, opportunity for curling to grab Gen Zers. The other interesting thing, and I won't go into detail, was the shift in media habits. And we know as well that mainstream television networks, which is cable, is in a constant decline. And the average age is also increasing, not decreasing. Gen Z hates traditional ads, which is also turning them away from mainstream sports. 
which I mean, again, is linear television. So this is another thing that we won't get into today, but there's a need, in my opinion, for there to be a whole different approach taken as to how we fulfill sponsors and advertisers versus the 30-second commercial, through branding, through better use of signage, through use of green screen technology, et cetera, et cetera. And every part of the fulfillment, I think, has to be part of the show because then you can't click out of it or PVR it. So that's an interesting take on Gen Z's. What about if they came up with a, because uh, all the kids are gamers, then we'll get Kevin's comment. Why don't they come up with some sort of virtual curling game? Well, there has been a couple of attempts at that. But I think the other thing is like the venues. Uh, I've been, since going back 12 years ago, it needs to be a, an app developed. And the only re, only way you can really benefit the app is to be in the building. And, and once they enter the building, you can have all kinds of things going on where there's little games can be played, things can be won, they can interact with people. That once they're in the venue the app can do that for you. And I think this is one small thing, again, that curling could do to make it entertaining far more than it is to be in the building. I think miking every player on the ice could be part of the thing that you access through the app. Right. And so when you're in the building, you can listen to sheets A, B, C, or D uh, as you prefer. But sitting at home, you're only going to catch the sheet that's being put forward on uh, television. Right. Anyway, I think some interesting stuff. And again, I don't think we are adapting to Gen Zs, and certainly most sports aren't, as has been indicated. I heard a guy the other day said they're so self-entitled, they would unplug their mother's life support to charge their phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kev, uh, you're older, but we need, the, we need the young people. What do you say? Uh, yeah, we do need the young people. I, I don't know if that's true, Jimmy. <laughs> I, 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 I got to be a bit of a stretch, but... Um, <laughs> But you're right. Uh, I think in-venue needs to change. Um, mixed doubles, triples. I always go back to triples. I think it's such a fun game to be able to play all the different positions in, in one one-hour game. Boy, that... Right. You know, even at my age and the amount of curling I've done, that still sounds fun to me, where you play a third of the game at, at the middle, play a third of the game at the skip position, play a third of the game at lead. I think it's really... Uh, that has great potential. But anyways, yes, to make a f fast, fun games so you can get on with whatever it is you want to do next, if that's having a couple of uh, pops with your friends or or going about your business or going to work. You know, it really took me uh, last week, last uh, podcast when the curling club's going to start at 6 a.m. because they're too full. <laughs> like that. Okay. Well, that you know what? That actually sort of makes sense. So many of my neighbors get up at 4, 4.35 in the morning, which I don't understand. I, I, I wouldn't right. do that. But they you do don't. that. <laughs> and no, I, I definitely do not. But they do to go to the gym for an hour, hour and a half before they go to work. Right. Well, if they happen to love curling, well, do that for an hour, hour and a half, and then go to work. Um, you know, what a great way to start your day. And uh, anyway, so uh, yes, we definitely have to look at different things and, uh, and quick. Keep everything yep. as, as short as possible and keep the fun in, involved. There's no, there's just no beating that for lots of ages. I, myself included mm -hmm. to go out, you know, when Sean and I go out and golf, a lot of times we'll play seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 holes. Um, we don't play 18 very often anymore, but we'll play somewhere between seven and 11, someplace in there. And most of the time we don't even keep score anymore. It's just get out there, have some fun. And I'll usually have a pop or two when I'm going around and, and, and uh, just have a good time and we're done. Right. It doesn't, doesn't really matter the nine or the 18 to us. And I think a lot of young people are like that. One of the secrets may be if I, if I was running a curling club, I would go back and listen to our show. We had the young guy on from, I, I, was it the Vancouver Curling Club? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. And he, you know, maybe you get a young guy because he was, he was rolling, right? He was one of the guys that said, we're running out of slots to put teams in. And um, 
I was impressed by that kid, you know, forward thinking. You know, you want to get young people, then get young people to, to run it, you know. You know, Jimmy, I just, I just heard about a club down south that's, that's near capacity, and we haven't talked about them, and that's the new, the T-Line Club in Nashville. We're getting near the end of the season, so we can't bring them on this year, but we'll bring them on next, next fall to hear how they did it because mm-hmm. uh, they're somewhere near capacity uh, as well where they're, it's a full club and it's all about fun. And, and if you go on the T-Line website in Nashville, at least T-Line Curling Club, they got a full menu. Um, yeah, I've, I just saw some pictures. It's brand new. I didn't, I didn't think about it before. So I, I went and did a little research, and uh, it looks like a fabulous place. And I've never been there. So uh, Sean and I were talking about we might have to, to take a trip and just go see this place because uh, it looks fantastic. Yeah. Warren, you got to take credit for when the crowds were maybe getting a little less I remember you coming out going, you know what, if we're going to get young kids, maybe it's not the the game itself, but then you started booking all those bands in the briar, you know, in the patch. And and that, that's when I recall young people coming in and having a blast, you know. Well, we did a lot of things. I mean, I mean we had a, a number of times there where we actually uh, took specific days. It was like Monday, uh, usually, that we would actually try to make it college night. And we made direct appeals to the universities and colleges in the cities that we were in. Right. To come out that night because we booked in entertainment that was pertinent to those people. So I think those are the type of things that have to happen. You, If you want to get that uh, age group in the building, you've got to have things happening that day that's going to attract them and not a band that's going to be more so for people over 50. So right. there's a lot of things that have to be done fine-tuned, in my opinion. Yeah, if you're, if you're a young person and you're listening to this show, we'd love to hear from you and your opinion of the game of curling and, and what would interest you and or what doesn't. There we go. What Are You Hearing is brought to you by Hearing Life. If vision places the world in front of us, hearing places us at the center. Hearing Life invites you to love your ears with a free hearing test. No referral needed. Visit hearinglife.ca to book your free hearing test. And that'll be me this week, boys. I'll let you know how it goes. Okay, this is a big topic. Last fall, Tim Hortons announced they would not be continuing as the title sponsor of the Briar after 2023. Uh, The Briar will be 100 years old in a couple of years. And during that, and Warren, you were at the first one. No, that's not fair. <laughs> uh, very, very funny, Jim. Ha, ha, ha. That's funny. <laughs> That'll never get old. Uh, the Briar will be uh, 100 years old in a couple of years. In that period of time, there's only been four companies who've occupied the position of title sponsor for the Canadian Men's National Championships. That was McDonald Tobacco. God, they're a company after my own heart, Kev. Uh, Labatt, another company after my own heart. Uh, Nokia and uh, Tim Hortons was, uh, of course, the last guys to do it. And they've been there since 2005. So we haven't heard an announcement yet, Warren. Are you worried, Warren? What's the word on the street? Uh, What do you know, man? I am hearing a couple of people kind of suggesting that uh, there may be an announcement coming soon. But other than that, nothing really being suggested as to who that company might be or who could be involved. So I'm sure there will be somebody step forward. It's just going to be a question of who it is and uh, interesting as to what kind of a company would take a look at that event today, considering the fact, again, it's for the most part, it's an older demographic, the whole television end of it as to what they're looking for there. There's a lot of 30-second commercials involved with that sponsorship at the moment. Is that what a company's looking for today? Are they looking for something different? So I think those are the challenges that they've been looking at, trying to find uh, a replacement. But uh, I'm expecting that something will come forward soon. The question is going to be, will they get the value for it that they want compared to 2005 when Tim Hortons came on board? Mm-hmm. 
Um, pretty large sum of money paid at that point in time, but we were looking at a different situation with the briar. When they came on board in 2005, we had the largest briar in history in Edmonton with total attendance of 281,000. And today, this past year, we're probably looking at maybe 90,000 was the total briar attendance in London. So that's been a bit of a change. Although hats off to Tim Hortons, Warren. That's a long time, uh, the, this day and age, when everyone is pulling up companies to sponsor. They, you know, that's six, 18 years, right? That Briar Kev would have been a total different ball game if it wasn't for Tim Hortons over all the years, huh? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. What a fantastic sponsor. A great company, too. Did a lot, had a lot of dealings with Tim Hortons because of uh, uh, being uh, Team Canada in 08, 09, and, and 2010 with the Olympics. So got to really enjoy uh, communicating with them for years and years. So just, yeah, I, I got some real good friends involved there. Let's remember things have changed a lot with Tim Hortons from uh, 2005 to now as well. They were they were bought out in, what, 2014, I believe, by the uh, Brazilian capital investment com- company and uh, formed that big company, Restaurants Limited, which was involving uh, Burger King and Tim Hortons. So, I mean, it's changed a lot as far as how that company is run and how it's directed. So, as happens in the corporate world, they've moved on. Keep your ear to the ground, Warren, and let us know and give us an update. So there you go. Uh, We're getting close to our last show. That's a wrap. We'll be back next week. uh, And we've got a great show lined up. We're going to get the whole crew, Kevin, from Sportsnet uh, to talk about the year that was. And Rob, Joan, Mike Harris, and yourself, they're chatty, Warren, so it may take a couple hours to get (laughs) through it. Uh, We're currently considering taking the show on the road. If you'd like us to come to your community, uh, we'd love to hear from you. We're going to do a day-long sort of presentation, hot stove. Uh, you'll get close to Kevin. We're we're working on a bunch of ideas for that, but that would be a riot. If you want Inside Curling to come to your town, let us know, insidecurling at gmail.com. Throw your name in the hat, and maybe we'll, we'll get to your town. Uh, as I said, final show will be next week with the whole crew from Sportsnet. A big thank you to Rod Paulson. He's been with us each and every show. His company, In-House Strategies, does all our social media, particularly our Facebook page, which is very active. And uh, why don't you join our Facebook group? Again, send us an email. That's part of our show, the email segment, mailbag, insidecurling at gmail.com. Thanks again to Sports Interaction, Coyote, Boost, Hearing Life Goldline, and uh, all of you for making Inside Curling possible. Okay, boys, one more show. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Take it easy, Warren. Thanks, Jim. See you, Kevin. Thanks, Jimmy.